Hi, and welcome to Hope for the Family, a podcast from the Magdalene House, a recovery community for alcoholic women. We are a 501c3 nonprofit organization based in Dallas, Texas, and known by many as Maggie's. In this series, members of our family support group share how they've been able to find peace and freedom as the loved ones of alcoholics through interviews, sharing their stories, and more. For more information about our family support group, including weekly meetings, please visit magdalenhouse.org forward slash family. We're so glad you're here. Thanks for listening. Hello, podcast listeners. My name is Stephanie Crawford, and I am the host of this podcast, Hope for the Family. And I am so excited for today's episode because we're doing something a little different. Uh, We have Kristen, who is one of our social detox coordinators. So always a pleasure to have one of our staff members and Kristen, especially who is a client favorite. Um, And then her lovely wife, Khaki. So we're going to be doing something a little different today. We're going to be doing a side-by-side and we'll get to hear an experience from the whole family perspective from the alcoholic perspective and then the family members perspective. And we have not done anything like this until now. So this is going to be our, our experimentation beta episode. So thank you guys both for being here. I'm going to let you guys introduce yourself and just qualify yourself for, for our listeners. And, um, and we'll just go from there. So whoever wants to start. Well, first of all, experimentation got us in a lot of trouble and probably why we, you know, became qualified to enter these rooms. But my name's Kaki and I'm a recovered drug addict and a family member. Yeah. What all do we say in these things? Um, Well, I have a question. How long have you been uh, sober? So I've been sober almost five years. November 1st of 2021 will make five years for me. And That is just still shocking and amazing. And, you know, the fact that I've had continuous sobriety whenever the need to be altered and, you know, I I love me some alcohol, definitely qualify there. Like, holy crap. The fact that I can live without drugs and alcohol and be happy. Like, it's just amazing to me. Still gets me every time. That's wonderful. Is this your, like, was Kristen your first experience of being on the other side or did you grow up with it? Wow. So, you know, you heard things growing up. Honestly, I'm a full believer that just because you may not have grown up with an alcoholic doesn't mean you haven't grown up with an Al-Anon. Okay. And a person that fully qualifies for family support but is not taking any, you know, it's just another sick person that can cause a lot of damage and really teach us some, you know, poor coping skills, if you will. So yeah, I've had an interesting mix. Um, but you know, my ex-husband, I encouraged his substances cause I was inactive, but this has been my first time sober and going through these different things and to such a degree, you know, cause the addiction process, it was very severe and ugly. It wasn't a cute little relapse, you know, it was pretty freaking bad. <laughs> well, we'll definitely uh, hear more 
about that. I am sure. Oh, yeah. Now, yeah. Now I know for, for me, um, my first experience, like on the other side was with a significant other and, um, and it just made me have so much more respect for what the family members go through. Do you feel like you had that experience as well? Oh my. Okay. So being a drug addict, you know, I'm sitting in the rooms and we read the family afterward, you know, cause we studied the book. People talk about blah, blah, blah. The family members went, you know, I'm like these people, it's a joke. This, their life does not depend on this. This is bull crap. I'm sitting over here dying. But after my experience with the families and, you know, oh God, like it is absolute life or death for a family member that truly qualifies for Al-Anon or any other family group, whether number one, I might kill the other person, you know, cause we get crazy. Um, but my depression throughout this experience, even as a recovered member of a group with God in my life, I was treating the wrong problem just for one, but you know, I did some horrible things in my depression that sent my mind down that road again, um, of that suicidal ideation really mm -hmm. did. That's, so. I think that's so good to say. I think that's wonderful to say, because I would be the first one too to also say, well, their life isn't dependent on it, but yeah. I think it's important for people to hear that it absolutely actually it is. is. So Kristen, do you want to uh, qualify yourself, my dear, as a, the alcoholic or the addict? Absolutely. Seasoned in both facets. Um, so I'm Kristen Andrus, uh, recovered addict, alcoholic, user of all mind-altering substances. Yep. You know, for me, I, uh, there, growing up, there was never there was always something within me that felt a little bit off. And so I remember going at 20 years old into this restaurant and ordering my first alcoholic drink. And I remember it, you know, like, like very vividly. And it wasn't so much the taste of it. It wasn't so much the actual drink itself. It was what it, how it made me feel. And it gave me, all that ease and comfort. It gave me, uh, you know, I wasn't an awkward introvert anymore. I felt like I was more sociable. Uh, people wanted to be around me more. And fast forward through that, you know, through five or six years, like I'm drinking every single day um, throughout the day. And my first thought, like when I wake up is, how am I going to change the way that I feel today? But, you know, by the time, like, you know, I had in the mental obsession, like it, it, to, it always, I was stone cold sober and making these decisions to go out and get drunk and get high. And I always thought, you know, by the time I had entered in treatment the first, you know, few times I, I thought I was just crazy. I didn't understand what was wrong with me, you know, and it wasn't until, uh, 2016 that I had found the solution with the book um, and the program. And that's uh, 2016, 2017 was when Kaki and mm -hmm. I first met. We were both well when we got together and then uh, we'll get to newly that. sober. And yes. but like just to qualify this relationship, we had at least both worked the 12 <laughs> steps 
and <laughs> we're not um, victimizing each other <laughs> yet. <laughs> it comes okay. later, but we did. <laughs> How did you guys meet? So we're living here in Dallas. Um, I'm not a graduate, but it was a very wonderful, successful experience. And so right as I move out of the house, my roommate, she, um, I was, you know, I'd broken up with this other chick. It was this bad relationship. Right. And she was like, Hey, my new house manager, she's a lesbian. You should meet her. Like, is she hot? She's like, I don't know. I'm not gay. But so finally we meet each other. And Kristen hit the DM on Snapchat. Um, and yeah, we couldn't get enough of each other. You know, That's so, so cute. Yeah. Aww. So four years later, here we are happily married, two children, not from each other, but they're ours. Yep. So Aww. yeah. And uh, so you guys were both sober. Were you guys like doing the deal? Like, tell me about that. Yeah. I mean, I was, I think I was nine years, nine months sober doing the deal, carrying the message, working with other addicts or alcoholics at this time. Um, I was still carrying the message to Maggie's Mondays. I can't remember. If it was the 12th, two 30, the two 30 meeting that, um, shout out Mary Shuford. She got me in there. Cause that's where I learned how to carry the message for real, for real was at Maggie's with Mary love of my life. Just, you know, she was putting that in there in the right place that, cause I relapsed and sober living that smacked me right in the head. And I understood it that I was not a hard drinker. So I relapsed on alcohol y'all. Mm-hmm. So that- my thing too, always relapsing on alcohol. It's fine. So, it's just alcohol. I'll go to AA if I have, um, if I really become an alcoholic, that was my craziness. Yeah. I relate. I relate. Kristen, what were you, what did your recovery look like at the time? So, uh, I had just gotten hired with, um, the, uh, sober living treatment facility that, that, khaki had moved out of. And so I was, you know, I was doing the deal. I was carrying the message, um, you know, following through with commitments. And I guess it was probably, I don't know, maybe I was 14, 15 months sober. I started breaking those commitments, started, you know, being dishonest in 10 steps I stopped carrying the message, stopped sponsoring women. And it was this, it was this progression into like spiritual sickness that took like three, four, five months, like in the making. Do you think that working in treatment? That's yeah, that's what I was going to get to. Like my, a lot of my focus at the time was making sure the women in the house, like they went to their meetings, like I was holding them accountable for what they were doing. Like almost, it was almost in that respect, their recoveries were more important than mine. Or or if I was taking them to a meeting, then that counted for my own recovery too. Mm -hmm. And um, very much intertwining uh, others recoveries with my own and not doing, uh, things specifically for my own recovery, you know, that didn't work out too well because, you know, just, I think I was 19, 20 months sober. And the next thing I know, I'm 
going to the liquor store and um, stopping on a corner, you know, picking up a sack and, and that, uh, that was what it looked like. And Mm -hmm. the sad thing was, is, is Kaki, Kaki and I, we had already been together, I think maybe about a year and a half at that point. She had already, she'd only known me sober. Like I could see that she was noticing the differences in me and I felt, but I felt like I was being like covert sneaky, mm-hmm. but I could also see that she knew something was going on, but she had never seen that particular, you know, Mr. Hyde side of me. I want to yeah. just throw something in there. This is where the traditions are really important. Um, and if you're getting paid hashtag working and sober living or at a treatment center, it doesn't count as 12 step work, right? That's why we have the traditions to remind us of that. And that if we're getting paid, it's not for your own recovery. You're not really like out there working with alcoholics or addicts um, because you're getting something out of it other than just working for God. That is your paid job is completely separate. Thank you. Absolutely. For fun and for free, right? That's yes. right. That's right. For fun. So I do have a question though. Uh, Kaki, whenever she was going down this path of spiritual sickness, did you, do you feel like you... Did you notice a change? Did you see things? Were you getting concerned that maybe a relapse was going to happen or? Absolutely. So, you know, one of the things that I noticed was her not carrying the message, you know, cause it was something that she had done and, you know, I'm just gonna, I, I go to this group and they drill, a they drill stuff into our heads. Yeah. Well, we follow the book. We don't, there, nothing is drilled into my head. What I read in the book and what my sponsor has helped to reiterate, you know, carrying the message, working with other alcoholics and addicts, you know, that's what helps me stay sober. But, you know, I started to notice those things that she wasn't doing it. And, you know, I've talked to my sponsor about this with other people. And she's like, the fact is like, I know that, you know, for me, my sobriety is contingent upon this. You know, I can't say anything about anybody else's, but I know that my life depends on working with others. And, you know, so thank God I had great sponsorship to just push that in me. Cause I see other people doing stuff that I don't necessarily see in the book, you know? Um, and so I was concerned, but like, trying to stay in my own lane. And at this time I was able to stay in my own lane. I could make the decision to not push about her program and mind my own business. It came later, you know, through addiction that I discovered that I lost the power of choice to, um, you know, say I'm not going to hound her about meetings. I'm not going to ask her about her step work. I'm not going to ask her about this. And so later I did lose the power of choice in that because I'd make a decision not to hound and then I'll be darned like I'm out hounding. So yes, my, my sickness was not off the, off the chain yet. (laughs) So whenever you did start like noticing, did like, did her personality change when she stopped doing these things? So (laughs) She got very whiny and the selfishness was real. Like I, I the, the selfishness and the all about me attitude. Yeah, I could definitely see the difference. Mm-hmm. And Kristen, what I guess were you delusional to all of that at the time? 
hundred percent delusional. <laughs> just, you know, <laughs> like I, yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, the, the, the malady had like, had taken over at that point, you know, it wasn't about khaki. It wasn't about the girls. It wasn't about helping other alcoholics or addicts. It was all about me and my next drink or my next high. And, mm-hmm. you know, by that point, I was starting to get, you know, some of the physical consequences of being out and that I'm sure didn't help with, with the, uh, whininess. <laughs> well, and one of the difficult, like specifically, you know, it was a competition between the kids, you know, mm-hmm. cause here I am, I'm youngly sober and I, you know, as a result of my addiction, I lost my children. Um, and so being out in treatment and in sober living for nine months, a year, something like that, you know, I had this unresolved parental guilt still, which parental guilt is still real at five years sober and busting my butt trying to be there, blah, blah, blah. You know, I felt like I needed to spend all this time with them. And so it, it was a struggle between you know, she wants her time and I'm like, but these kids, you know, and so that was, that was a big deal for us. Mm-hmm. Parental guilt is such a thing. I mean, it's absolutely. awful. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. It is so freaking hard. Oh, just you- like the struggles from addiction. Like, so my older child, we, you know, it's been almost five years, but we're dealing with the aftermath of my addiction, absentee stuff, and just, yeah, all the nastiness that's balled up into addiction. Mm-hmm. So now whenever uh, Kristen was out and your, in your sickness manifested, and I guess, would you say it manifested in control? Is that what you would say? So it's control, it's worry to the point, you know, like here I am, I'm supposed to be, you know, taking care of my kids, but I'm more focused on taking care of her. Um, And, you know, one of the things that's like, we're addicted to chaos, whether I'm a drug addict or a family member, I say, oh, I can't stand chaos. Here's the deal. You're freaking delusional, right? We, there, we're drawn to this chaos. It's exciting. We love excitement you know, drug addict or family member does not matter. And so, you know, just completely drawn to it, but, and also like I'm creating a lot of it. Okay. So with this family thing, it's not like, you know, 90% the alcoholic and 10% family member. Here's the deal. We're going to go head to head with our crazy. Like, I'm sorry. Um, we are just as crazy as them because we're going to chase you down. I'm trying to plot against drug dealers or, you know, I'm tracking her. I swear I was plotting against this one dealer and <laughs> how I was going to, you know, um, I, I really was. But um, or tracking my sneakiness, my manipulation, like, oh, you know, you need to feel bad so that you can be home. And well, so, okay. But I want to ask though, like, so there's that all that parental guilt from, you know, our addiction, taking us away from our kids. And then you did bring up, you're supposed to be spending time with your kids, but now you're focusing on her. Did that feed that parental guilt that you already had? So it's kind of a tricky place because like, I was so worried about her. Like, honestly, I was not thinking about 
them as much as I should. And so not necessarily, um, you know, like looking back at it, I'm like, holy crap, like I should have been focusing on them instead of, you know, chasing down somebody that, you know, they got some stuff to do, you know, mm-hmm. like in chasing a drug addict or an alcoholic is just pointless. And, you know, I got in her way so freaking much. Mm-hmm. I'm here to bail you out. Got my cape and all here to the rescue. Yeah. And so. I see Kristen's nodding along. So I'm assuming you agree with all of that. Yeah. Like what happened happened because it needed to. And it was like a long, it was a long year or two and it it was probably it was a good bit of two years yeah um, oh wow in and out that long yeah yeah it was a long time in and out it, I was constantly doing the the shuffle in and out of the rooms and she's got it this time and and I I've heard you know this different this time because of this and and but at the end of the day I was not ready yep and and to be completely honest, I couldn't get sober long enough to work all 12 steps, mm-hmm. like in like clear minded, the mental obsession I, I was just so much. And I was constantly using and changing the way that I felt. And, and I remember like toward the end, I went into uh detox and, and the day that I went out to detox, I was, I, I made a detour by my dope dealer and I, I was thinking okay just one last time just Ugh. one last time That's the um, worst. but it was interesting seeing like uh her getting this um new freedom and this new happiness with this fellowship she had discovered because as she was slowly getting better I was slowly getting worse mm-hmm. and historically like whenever this when we would do our song and dance like she would find paraphernalia or I would because I'm always searching or I'm obsessed with finding stuff because I've got proof darn it (laughs) because and and I would come home um intoxicated and and you know there was always I don't want to say she was getting in my way but she I was I was getting in her way I had some stuff that I needed to do um to prove to myself and get into that pain and misery to where I was willing to do whatever it took to be sober (laughs) and finally like I remember when I first got so when I when I got sober finally in early 2020 I uh read this quote and it said it it was something to the effect of I was staring at the abyss and it was staring back at me and that was like the epitome of like the darkness of that and I was completely hopeless and to be honest like I had had the solution in 2016 and if if I'm being perfectly candid I was resentful at the program and the steps for a minute because Mm -hmm. I was like, I, I did everything. I put all of this in blah, 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 blah. And then I go out and burn my life to the ground again. But the thing is, is like, I don't get to be angry at something I'm not working. 
Mm -hmm. right? Like I wasn't doing what I was supposed to do to maintain sobriety. It wasn't until I was able to get beaten into that state of reasonableness once khaki got out of my way and, and I was able so to you crash and admitted burn. it. Yeah. You admitted it. Yeah. So, <laughs> so she was able to get out of my way so I could just crash and burn. So, well, in my own addiction. So the craziest, craziest part about my family addiction or my family problem. So in my own addiction, I absolutely know 100% without about no human power could have relieved my addiction. There was absolutely nothing, nothing. My, you know, the frothy emotional appeal, blah, blah, blah. But you know, my delusion, when it comes back to Kristen, I'm going to say or do something that will make her get well, knowing mm. that none of that worked for me on my drug problem. But here over in this family problem, I'm trying all of these same things, throwing my own self-will um, at it, thinking that there's something that I can absolutely do. And that's just that's just so baffling to me because I know in my heart and my brain what it was for me, but whenever it comes to her, there's something that I can, you know, thinking that there's something that I can do. It's just, that's the craziest part of this situation to me that I yeah. thought that I could get her well or say or do something, you know, even though I know there's nobody, nothing, nobody, anybody could have done for me or, you know, until I was done. And so, I mean, I think that's such a good thing to bring up though, too, because I know just in my experience, I made a lot of mistakes um, and just things that I thought I would have handled differently because right. of my time in the program. Yeah. Um, I didn't. And it's always easy to say, like, I know how I would handle situation. Or I think I would know right. how to handle situation, but unless you're in it, you really, you really don't know. And that's like a wonderful way to bring up. This is why I shouldn't tell people what they, as a family member or as anybody or to us as a sponsor, I shouldn't tell people what they need to do. Um, if, you know, that's the biggest reason why we share our experience, strength and hope, because, you know, if I give this one person advice, it can definitely help burn their life to the ground. They're going to come back like, what the heck were you doing? you know, blah, blah, blah. And like, that's completely wrong. Cause I don't know what these other people should or need to do. Right. Like that's God's job. Like, but I, I love to run people's life, whether I'm an addict or a family member, you know? So yeah. Well, I do have um, a question too. So Kristen, take me back first to your, take me back to your relapse when that initially happened and then how long after that khaki did you find out that it had happened God. i think i initially relapsed uh oh okay it was in march of march of 2018 i believe and but sh but khaki i don't think when did you lose the job august Okay. So, so it was, uh, it was about five months, but here's the deal. My delusion, I'm noticing pinpoint pupils constantly. Right. Um, I noticed the fruity breath and, you know, so I'm a nurse, you guys, and there's like different signs, you know, for diabetes. My delusion was like so hard, you know, I keep, 
I don't know. I've never tasted alcohol in a person and not been drunk myself, (laughs) you know? (laughs) And so I'm tasting this on her and I'm like, her breath is so fruity. Like maybe she's got diabetes and doesn't know it. I swear to God, that's how delusional I was. Like it's absolutely freaking nuts. Okay. I'm noticing her pupils, but then it's like, you can't remember otherwise. And I just notice that they're small all the time. And she takes a lot of naps, you know, we'll be hanging out and she passes out. And I'm like, Oh, that's cute. That's because she stayed up doing homework. Right. It's because she's working hard or because this or that my mind just was so effing delusional. And, you know, this is like, um also like oh my god this is the best relationship ever this is just amazing we're sober and we're so freaking happy and you know you can't be selfish like you have to be unselfish you know that's part of the program got to get rid of that selfishness i can't think about me all the time you know and so there were so many ways that the delusion showed up for me and i mean it was a good while before i realized this and golly then i all hell broke loose i lost it Mm. you know i just like hearing you talk just reminds me so much of whenever um isaac had relapsed but i didn't know it yet and there was just all that like naps right naps all like like snoring naps and right and then that tasting is so bad when she drinks so bad terrible i'd be elbowing her a lot (laughs) and then the fruitiness and and i remember being Mm -hmm. like and i my mind was like did you smoke a cigarette like that's where i went with it because cigarettes taste fruity um but like that i was I was in so much delusion too. And then his whole thing too was like the glossy eyes. Right. And Mm -hmm. like, I it's like refusing to see it, but thinking since I know everything I know about addiction and alcoholism, that nobody would be able to get past me kind of thing, you know? Well, and the funny thing, you know, like I, I was meth. So like, I know what that looks like. And the times that she did that, baby, I knew. But, you know, switch to the opiate side. I had no freaking clue. You know, if I did have experience with that, I was on top of a lot of meth. So mm. I didn't have the same reaction. <laughs> so. so how did you end up finding out? Girl. Okay. Ooh. So, well, I remember when she got fired and. I caught this big resentment. Like, I can't believe they did this to you. And I believe, I believe, I believe. And then I don't, uh, did I find a needle or? Um, yeah, she uh, had came over. I was living with a, a, a friend of mine. We had gotten an apartment, um, you know, not that far away from the uh, sober living I was working for. And Khaki had came over and I had been like, obviously having like the physical consequences and and just being like basically just loaded and strung out and uh she had came over and came into my room and and had found some paraphernalia and but but it was in a backpack or something i think no you had you she nodded out and left like a needle out on the nightstand but um mind you okay so this girl i i I love you, baby. No, it's but fine. the stories that 
she came up with just out of nowhere, you know, to get pity or whatever. And, you know, you, I really saw the depression. Okay. That came so freaking quickly. That was one of the major things that I could tell, but, you know, I wouldn't allow myself to see, but there were just these, I mean, some crazy stories that she came up with and, you know, I'm going along with it because I got no reason not to believe her, you know, once we found, or I found the paraphernalia and just opened my eyes to a lot of stuff. So that I'm assuming that's whenever kind of things took a turn Um, from there. Cause I didn't realize Kristen that you had two years of that. Your relapse was two years long of in and out, in and out. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Kaki, tell me about, and Kristen, this isn't to make you feel bad or anything, no. but tell me what it was like being at home at this point, knowing that she's out there. I mean, it wasn't, I think, I don't know if I tried to like jump her off into rehab or something. I think I did. Yeah. I immediately you know, say she needs to go to rehab and I'm going to set these firm boundaries. I'm pretty sure I told her which rehab to go to. Um, and that, you know, I was telling her what sober living she needed to go to, but I, I think I got over it like fairly quickly, but I was so like addicted to her and the, so people for me are mind and mood altering. And I know tons of people experience this problem. And so, uh, the separation from my own ease and comfort, because, you know, our relationship was really selfish at this point and we provided each other ease and comfort. And so like mine was gone and I'm having to figure out all these other things to do. And I'd lost myself and we had this period where we broke up and that's about the time where she was starting to get sick as well. It was before the actual relapse, I believe. But I realized that uh, my program was off balance and I had my head so far up her butt that I didn't have any friends. Like I needed to drag her along to my own commitment. You know, my recovery was starting to revolve a lot around her. And, you know, these are all my mistakes. This is nothing that she could have talked me into or anything. This is all my mistakes. And it was, a, it turned out to be a great experience for me um, because I had to turn around and make myself like go out on Friday nights with people to get involved in my group. Like I had to take a conscious effort. Hey, can I hang out with you guys? Cause I needed to make friends because I didn't have any, all I had was Kristen and I'm sorry, that's a lot of pressure to put on another person. You know, here Mm. I am treating her as God and I need her to fix how I'm feeling inside too, you know? Mm. So it's just like, I had a lot of struggles then, you know, I put way too much weight on her. Here's the deal. Like (laughs) I did had to, okay. Like, it's no wonder that whenever we put so much pressure on people, why they drink and get high, because I need, I'm taking so, so much from you. It's draining. Not that it's an excuse, but golly, that sucks a lot out of a person, you know, Mm. that I need you to be so much for me. Right. Mm. And I'm putting them in the place of God. Mm hmm. Kristen, do you feel like you put khaki in a place of God at times? 
Uh, yeah, for sure. So especially during, uh, a during, during the time that I was out and not sober, she was the savior. Like she was coming in to save me, like as selfish as it was, I knew that, you know, if something catastrophic happened or if something terrible happened, or if I needed her, like I could call her. I mean, she was still saving me at this point. Whether Uh, I needed to leave work, you know, so it affects Mm -hmm. my job, my sickness, right? So I've definitely left work to go come to the rescue, right? Mm -hmm. So it affects all aspects of our life. Yeah. And, and I mean, still like some of that, I don't want to say the, the same dynamic persists in our marriage now, but it it, can, if we don't do what we need to. Right. Like, you know, and it kind of talks about it in the family afterward, you know, in the time that I was out, you know, I was robbing her of her serenity. Like she was home with two kids under the age of 11 at the time she was paying all the bills. Like, anything domestically that was going on like she was handling it well let's be real i handle it like a champ because that's what (laughs) i want to do right because i think i need to do these things and i'm so effing happy to take control and Mm -hmm. and the thing is is like you know i knew that when i was not sober and i would try to assert myself that's right i was always in the wrong because i wasn't sober like how who am i to dictate what anybody else should do when i can't even you know like i can't even operate like a normal human being like i can't even be sober for five seconds you know and when i did get sober finally it still comes like now that uh when i feel like i need to assert myself now that she still kind of like wears the pants like at home like what she says goes like she asks how high to jump that (laughs) dynamic still that dynamic still you know kind of persists but but, and I think it's a give and take. I'm sorry. Yeah. Like, I like to take control. And, you know, at times she likes to give it. Like, it, yeah. you know, it's how we both. And, well, the good thing, the thing that I've noticed as. I'm as, giving a lot back. As we've gotten, as we've gotten well, uh, we're, we both do a pretty good job about being open and being pretty clear if well, something is well here's the deal we still have to take our time to get a little resentful right we're not perfect at saying whenever we need help or are having difficulties because whatever like you know whether i'm trying to i don't know whatever story i'm telling myself right um i still have a hard time saying hey i need help with this or you know before it turns into a resentment mm-hmm. so i i mean one th- uh-oh one thing for me and this is i this is me being putting it all out there like it was so hard for me to ever ever admit i was wrong mm-hmm. and I I mean, I used to. And so 
well she's doing the squinty eyes so apparently it's still a thing but um i don't like to admit when i'm wrong (laughs) but it was like it's all what it's comes easier now like to be able to like say to her hey that's true i was wrong you were right i I will say i made a mistake you know and that's something that wasn't always present in our Mm -hmm. relationship because we were both stubborn stubborn and we would not relent i walked my way damn it right and um but that's something that's gotten easier okay well so in the two years that you were out there did you guys stay together the whole time yep absolutely i'm going down with the sinking (laughs) ship baby (laughs) that's right (laughs) Uh, I think that's like a lot of um, like a question that I know that I got, you know, whenever Isaac and I split up was like, well, did you split up with him because of the relapse? And, you know, was there a point, Kaki, where you thought like that you weren't going to be able to stay in the relationship? Absolutely. And, you know, once again, here we come with all of this advice and, you know, you should do this, you should do that. But like, here's, You know, things worked out exactly how they needed to. Are you the loved one of an alcoholic? Our family support group serves as a community for friends, loved ones, and family members of alcoholics to learn about alcoholism, understand how to help an alcoholic, and experience an improved quality of life, regardless of the alcoholic's recovery. We have weekly support meetings that meet virtually and in person, as well as a monthly speaker meeting. To find out more about our family support group, visit MagdalenHouse.org slash family. You know, towards the end, like I got, I'm slowly working to the idea that I can't do this, you know, in all the 10 steps, you know, with my sponsor, like, you know, whether you know, it's finding paraphernalia in my home with kids, right? And, you know, here, honestly, in my addiction, absolutely, God, there was so much more, you know, because I wasn't trying to necessarily hide it, but, um, and how here's drugs are freaking illegal, or, you know, one of the biggest fear is driving, you know, under the influence of whatever, and having the kids, because like, I'm, you know, needing her help, you know, picking up the kids from school, and, different things. And, you know, that's one of the most terrifying things. Um, but I was try I was getting used to the idea and, you know, and also let me just, I wandered into some rooms of Al-Anon. I went to a group that was not big book based that, you know, you show up and you talk about blah, 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 but like, it, it was not working the steps and people are willing to sponsor even though they're not through the work and there was just no real guidance or foundation and so thank god like i was able to find family group at that time and you know i knew the language of the big book so it was honestly so easy for me to transfer from the addict to the family members that you were do all you do is replace words and it's like holy crap i'm still crazy but you know, towards the end, like everything, it was a game changer, you know, because I was getting well and I was ready to take these steps. 
to do mm-hmm. something different. And, you know, um, finally, like God gave me enough strength and being sick and tired to say something different, um, not let her come home and to get fed up because on my own, I cannot manage the decision to keep her out of the house. Right. Like, I'm going to feel sorry for you. I need you this or that. Um, so with working the steps, like I was given the strength to do something different and that is just all from God. And I could not have done that without the power that came from working the steps. So did you have people telling you that you should break up with her? Yeah, of course. You know, I can't believe you're doing that. But like, you know what? You don't know what I need to do in my relationship. Okay. You know, and, but here's the deal. My mistake in that was I ran my effing mouth. Here's the deal. This is for my sponsors. Okay. I, you know, need to direct that exactly where I need to, which is to my drug sponsor or my family member sponsor. Um, so that I can get some direction to God and hear what my mistakes are. And that's just point blank period of what it needs to be. And I learned a lot because, you know, through that, I caused a lot of harm um, to Kristen as well by constantly bringing these things up or, you know, she didn't want to show up to the rooms of our home group because I've been there running my damn mouth. So here I am you know, causing even more problems to want her to stay away or have fear to coming where she belongs into the rooms, you know, because of fear of judgment and, you know, the group that she was going to during when the relapse started, there was a lot of judgment there as well. Um, and not a lot of support, but it's like, the fact is, as drug addicts or alcoholics, you know, at times we do relapse because we stop doing the thing. And, you know, my job is to welcome you back in, help the newcomer, not cast judgment. Cause you're not effing perfect. Like I've never relapsed, you know, like, come on. Mm-hmm. So no, absolutely. Chris, I'm sorry that you were, had a group that was not supportive and loving to you. Um, <laughs> Kaki, one of the things, I don't know if you've heard Kristen tell her story or not, but I'm sure you have. But when she tells it, she talks about that she noticed a change in you and you started getting well. Uh, Kristen, do you mind talking about about that and like what that did as far as like for you and, and what you needed to do? Yeah, so um I think, I don't know. I think she had, it was about like six months before I finally got sober that she really got like heavily involved and had gotten through the work, um, with family group. And, and, you know, in the past when I had been out and was going through the self-imposed crisis, you know, she was there swooping in to, okay, well, what treatment do you want to, like helping me try to find the detox or treatment or driving to the detox and treatment, (laughs) Um, you know, get drunk on the way because you're getting on my nerves. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, she had a big part in, basic you know in orchestrating like you know where I was going like what I was doing you know what 
what sober living if i needed to go to sober living after you had to and i needed to tell you which one <laughs> and so um work for me it's gonna work for you <laughs> so once she had started you know having that spiritual awakening as a result of going through those particular steps it wasn't like that anymore you know i would make a comment uh like well maybe i maybe I should try this sponsor. Okay. Do what you want. Like, you know, okay, try that. Or, you know, maybe I should go to this detox or maybe I should go to this treatment. And she just was not responding anymore. Like just, you know, okay, well, if you think that will help, you know, and you know, it was very much like got out of my way. So it, it, and, and she was thriving. Like she was sponsoring people in this new fellowship. She was, you know, telling her story. I'm over here, like, you know, walking dead, a walking abscess, you know, on about on death's door, you know, and I like, I can't get sober for, two or three days long enough to like stay long-term at like the 24 hour club. Like I couldn't even get sober oh, long enough. That. I could not. Did even you go to this before Kristen? Yeah. What happened? What happened? I couldn't stop getting high. Like I had to, you know, <laughs> but there were, there were great excuses but, as to why yeah. she was still dirty. So, um, <laughs> but yeah, I could come up with some whoppers. I mean, we all can, but like it just you know I was seeing her thrive and and I was just seeping darker 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 and and there were at some there were some times when my own pride and ego I did not know if I would make it back like I was almost at peace with just dying that way but I knew like at the end of the day I knew that I had had the solution and when I was honest with myself I knew that I wasn't doing the things that I needed to do in order to have those promises and come true for me, I, I saw her, you know, pulling away and her thriving. And, and so I was like grasping at straws, like to kind of, you know, keep this person in my life. But the thing is, is, you know, we wreak a lot of damage and every human's going to have their limit, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, like, that's one of the benefits of like great sponsorship um, because, you know, I was given scripts to say, um, you know, well, you know, I think I should do this khaki. What do you think? I don't know. Or uh, like, cause I like to run your life, but I don't know how. So I don't know what you should do. If that's what you think you should do. You know, like, cause I just don't know, but like part of my thing, I think that I need to have these answers and we condition each other to that as part of the disease as well. Um, that I think I need to always have answers. And if, you know, she's looking to be told what to do and, you know, I'm just still trying to play God, you know, it just doesn't work, but you know, there's so many great responses um, that I was given as to how to handle like different situations, because, you know, when she's asking me for advice, that's here, take my control. I'm 
giving my control. And like my thing, I want power. Okay. Whenever I'm trying to control you or get something that I want, like I absolutely want all this power and I'm trying to get it, you know, by doing these crazy different things. And so, you know, when it talks about the position of neutrality that goes, you know, for the drug addict, the alcoholic and the family member. Um, and you know, that like you're active in the work and doing the right things whenever God does place us in a position of neutrality so that I don't feel like I need to jump in and save the day that I can step back and let you do the things that you need to do. And, um, you know, cause so much of it is trying to rescue and prevent that pain, but I was I'm it, creating my own. So tell me, was it, uh, was it terrifying letting go of that false sense of control and letting her make her own decisions? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and knowing that she was homeless and telling me how she's sleeping in her car and, you know, crying about it and laying on some pity parties, but it's, you know, like that's where it takes us. And like, thank God I was given the strength to back off because she was finally able to get well. And if I look at my own addiction, you know, I knew when my dad had enough and it means business when it's my dad, because he's the one that always paid for treatment, you know, when he'd had enough and like, thank God that I actually, you know, believed that I was dying finally. And I became willing to do what Mm -hmm. it's like. I knew he meant business and was done with my butt. Okay. He wasn't coming to the rescue anymore. He meant business and I'll be damned. I'm still sober. Yeah. So. I mean, and Kristen, tell me, was there ever a time where you tried to use khaki or the kids to stay sober, to get sober? All the time. But like, as much as I loved them, that was never enough. Mm-hmm. You know, it was when I, you know, we got married and, and not only did I make a commitment to her and the kid, you know, to her, but to the kids as well. And that was when, like, I grasped the, the like, the gravity of, like, how, how bad it was, was because, like, I had never, like, loved something so much and... I couldn't stop because of them. Mm-hmm. So. And, you know, like we, we know that logically, just right. like we know logically that we can't get anyone sober, but it's such a difference, like experiencing that. I mean, that powerlessness on both sides, being able not to stay sober for the person or people you love the most and not being able to get the person you love the most sober. Well, it's crazy, you know, cause like whenever, I lost my kids as a direct result of my addiction. What did I do? I went harder. They weren't in my way. I was able to go balls to the wall and get loaded as much as I wanted. Like a normal person would pull up, stop, go to treatment. But me, I've got nothing holding me back now, Uh, Mm -hmm. which is awful. And you know, I'd want to go see my kids and, but I would be too loaded, you know, wouldn't show up and all the things they Mm -hmm. just didn't have the power, even though 
you know, I love them more than life itself. <laughs> Absolutely. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, well, Kristen, you are sober today and you guys are happily married. So uh, tell me about, tell me about coming in this last time. Um, so I had to, the biggest thing for me is I had to set aside everything I thought I knew. Like, I did not know, like, how important that was um, for me because uh, do coming in and out, in and out, you know, you, you can quote the big book, you can say this or that, but none of the knowledge or none of the uh, logic of that was able to ever keep me sober. And it didn't matter who I had as a sponsor. It didn't matter, you know, any, any of that. Um, I had to uh, set aside everything I thought that I knew. And I also had to do a lot of deflation of the ego and of pride. And, you know, my pride was killing me out there. Like, you know, I, was was focusing on what I had done in in my past and recovery and like how good it was and and all of that and none of that mattered anymore because I was still getting drunk and high like that didn't matter and so I had to really get to a place where you know what like I don't know anything I'm literally just a drunk and tell me like tell me what I need to do to be sober. And when I went the the treatment center that I eventually went to, thank God they were able to allow me to, to have my sponsor come and get me through the work while I was there, because like, that was a game changer for me, for me to be able to do the work while I was like working on myself in there. Um, and have that spiritual experience and, and just have, have a fresh start and new experience differently mm-hmm. from what I'd had in the past. And Jackie, were you coming to see her while she was in treatment? Were you talking to her at this point? Yeah, I went to see her a couple of times. Um, we were talking, but honestly, um, it got to the point where when she was in the last detox, I was so pissed and it was such a freaking relief that mm-hmm. she was gone and that she was safe. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I was so hurt and resentful and, you know, for me, like I've heard a lot of, I've heard my sponsor say a lot that, you know, relationships take a lot of people out. And like, I get why, because it's that resentment. It goes back to being the number one offender and like, you know, I'm not changing myself. So I'm staying in the same position, but I was so resentful. And so I was just angry all the time that it was such a relief that she was in treatment, didn't really care to talk to her at first. And so I can't remember So I know like during one of the treatments, I think I was like super angry and maybe railed her some. I don't know if Mm -hmm. I was as angry the second time or, you know, just becoming more like it was 
getting used to the idea of having to be separated and just knowing that, you know, I have to do what's best for me and the kids. And like, luckily, you know, like with God, like, it's just, just a blessing that we were able to come back together. It yeah. was, um, and you know, like I didn't need to insert myself as much in the treatment the second time, you know, as I did with the first one. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I totally relate to that relief of your loved one uh, being in, in treatment because you do, you know, that they're safe and that they're at least for that moment, they're not using. And so there's that little hope. Um, well, you're not that, worried about, you're not right. worried about getting that call, yeah. right? That they've mm -hmm. died. They've overdosed somewhere. Oh my God. Or had a car accident. Like it's just, it's so terrifying. Like, most of the time, unless we're with them, <laughs> you know, I see that they're alive, but it's yeah. just so terrifying. And, you know, while you, when you were talking, this kind of came to me and I know that this is like a hope for the family thing, but I think it can also be really helpful for uh, alcoholics and addicts too. But um, it reminded me of, oh my God, I might cry too. But when Isaac called me, the first time and he wasn't in treatment, he was in jail. Um, but he had called me and I remember just going on, like, it was like all of this anger and frustration yeah. that I had for months, just like, just reamed into him. And I remember yep. he was crying and he said, I hope to God that you never relapse because you'll never understand how hard it is to get back and how it like breaks mm. my heart. But I feel like there's a lot of, and, you know, like, I feel like there's a lot of people who don't know because they haven't experienced having this solution and going out after the solution that just because you know what the solution is doesn't mean it's that easy to get back. Kristen, do you mind just speaking on that briefly? Yeah, like it, you know, like I've already said, like, I, there, there came a time like toward the end, like I was just kind of like at peace dying. Like I didn't want to suffer anymore. Like I didn't want to inflict pain on the people that I loved the most, but at the same time, like I couldn't stop. And, you know, it's just, it's so hard, like to be able to come back into like the same home group the the same people that like you've essentially gotten sober with and have grown together and then all of a sudden like you you start getting sick and these other people around you are thriving and like all of a sudden you're that person that is is out and you're that that friend or that person that you know, nobody can hang out with because it may jeopardize their own sobriety or, you know, or it, it may like, you know, come across as an enabling the person. And, and, you know, I, I lost like a lot of like good relationships, but I gained so much like by being able to come back and, you know, death is something like that 
I've thought a lot about, like, especially over, like, this past year, because I'm not different from anybody else that passed away. Like, I'm not any different from Isaac. I was just able to make it back in. And for that, like, I'm forever grateful. I don't know what the difference was if I was willing to listen and set aside everything, but I know that it was God doing for me what I couldn't do for myself because I had tried years and years and years to do it. Mm-hmm. Thank you. I love you so much, by the way. Thank you. I love you too. <laughs> so when did, um, can you tell me about the reconstruction of y'all's relationship since you were at the point whenever she was in treatment where you guys weren't really talking at that point? How, how did you guys fall back in love? Did you do it again? Like, I, think, I think at that point she was just sick of my crap. Like she just wanted to see it. Like she was sick of the, the talk. Like she wanted to see that I was going to do what I was going to say. And it it really was like, show me, suit up or go home, you know, like I had a lot of, one of the things that she talks about is like me being cold and I did put a lot of distance between us, um, you know, because like I was so afraid to like open up and become trusting again. It's taken a long time and not only like covid strikes i'm dealing with death at work you know and there was just like a lot of walls that like i put up to protect myself um you know and it's like all the different ways um and it's just been slow 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 working on that um you know being open with our feelings and stuff. It's just, you know, it's, it's been a slow progress, you know, but like, I'm just like the best thing that, you know, cause I've always had relationship problems. I've, you know, since I was a kid relying on people and wanting them, you know, to make me feel okay. And so just knowing that I can do things by myself you know, I think that helps just to open up in the relationship as well. Cause it's like, I don't need you, but I want to be with you. Um, you do get to love somebody and it's in a less selfish way, I guess. Yeah, um, I would agree. definitely, you know, but it's just been a huge learning process of what can I bring to this relationship? Am I really being cold? Is she crazy? I don't think I'm being cold, Um, but you know, I had a lot of walls. I can't say that they're all the way down. Um, You know, it's just, it's just a long process that it's just a, it's a daily thing, Um, you know, and I still have fears and stuff that like crop up you know, cause those don't just like magically go away because she's sober. She got a year yet, you know, like I still have to deal with, um, my own spiritual slash mental condition, um, and 10 step things when they come up, 
but I don't, I don't know if I danced around what you asked me or oh, I was just, I was asking about the reconstruction of your relationship. And so I feel like that was a very, very good answer. Uh, I think? About, okay. Yeah. I, mean, I definitely like, think so. <laughs> it is like watching and are you doing what you say you're going to do and, you know, contributing the things that you say and like, you know, um, here's the deal money, you know, it's, it's a big thing for me. And, you know, cause I've had previous relationships where, you know, I've just been, you know, been the one bankrolling stuff and, um, you know, during the addiction, you know, that's how it was. And so like, it means a lot that, you know, Kristen contributes and, you know, we do stuff together financially, you know, that she holds her own weight. Cause that does show a lot of like where she is. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Kristen, do you want to add anything to the reconstruction of the relationship? You know, like I was sitting here listening to her talk and stuff. Oh God. <laughs> That's <laughs> that that was that was like one thing for me is just to be able to sit back and listen mm. you know like I always had to insert some kind of like you know snod remark or you know some kind of like comeback or or you know just to be able that was like one thing that I was able to kind of notice that I noticed, um, in the process of like getting, getting well together is I I'm, I'm able to listen. Sometimes, you know, I don't always like what she has to say, but, and that's okay. I don't have to. Um, and I can take it up with God and my sponsor later. We're, we've both been able to grow like as individuals and we've grown with God too, because, there's a lot like we've went through oh my god this past year it's been a just, year just together like as as you and know children couple, you know like with kids my grandmother passed away like there was a lot of like big things that happened this past year that you know we were able to grow through and get through together and, you know one of our kids suffer suffers from like suicidal ideation depression anxiety and you know it's funny because in the past you know she's like you need to do this this and this <laughs> but like you know we're both like I don't know what the hell to do when we're trying to just keep doing the next right thing and see how we can come together to help this kid and parenting's freaking hard my god like coming in as a step parent like that's the other thing you know with our relationship I had some years under my belt. Granted, they were, they were very um, loaded years, <laughs> but being able to come together as parents and, you know, me trusting her to discipline and us talking about stuff together and like me having to give and, you know, it's, it, it's more of a partnership now. Yeah. That's awesome. So yeah. All right. Well, 
so how is recovery like today for you, Kaki, on the family member side? Are you still active in the family side of recovery? And then Kristen, what does your recovery look like today? So absolutely. Um, unfortunately, the group that I got well in, you know, COVID helped to close it and we just couldn't get it back up. I, there's a group that I like to go to at the 2-4. Luckily, I don't have as much of that stuff pop up like it was you know I still have to remain active in the fellowship I don't have to go to meetings every freaking week you know right now you know because I'm not in the depths of it but if I don't like stay in contact with my sponsor admit my wrongs um, and talk about them with the right sponsor meaning my family member one you know like if I if I don't do that you know I'm slipping back you know, because like, it's so easy with drugs and alcohol, like as long as you don't have them in your body, like, you know, you're sober. Right. But the fact is that Al-Anon, it's a very fluid program because stuff pops up constantly. It's not so black and white. It's all gray. You know, am I watching for this? Is this coming up? Like, um, you know, resentful about this. I'm not being honest about that. God, I'm, I'm afraid it's so much fear in Al-Anon. And if I don't treat it by doing the proper steps, it continues to snowball and just get bigger and bigger. You know, the fabric of our existence, that one evil and corroding thread. And that's just so real. And Kristen? You know, I try to uh, show up as a sponsor as much as possible. I have five or six ladies I'm working with now in the past, you know, that, that is the last thing I would want to do on a day off is listen to a fifth step, you know, but that's the first thing I'm doing like these days. And, you know, I'm trying, I'm showing up for, uh, you know, khaki and the girls following up with doing what I say that I'm doing like truly practicing the principles in all of my affairs to the best of my ability. And when I'm wrong, you know, I, I try to, I make amends for those and, and try to do the right thing the next time. And, and the question I always ask myself now is where is God in this? Mm. You know, like, because that was something that I was not asking myself like before and you know where is god in this that i'm doing like if because if if he's not in it then i probably don't have any business doing it and so that's been like the biggest thing for me is when it before i act on anything or before i decide or anything you know i ask my where is where is god Mm, love that so much well ladies this has been so wonderful, <laughs> right? I hope you guys enjoyed yourselves as much as I did. I did. Um, good. Yeah, that flowed easily. I was not sure how well this, <laughs> you know. Well, do you have um, any like final words if you were talking to a couple that's going through something that you, going through what you guys went through? Do you have anything that you'd want to speak to them before we leave? I mean, 
it's like the answer it's always in god and good sponsorship i'm sorry good sponsorship is provided by god you know um but that's just where i really need to be 100 percent honest with uh god and one other human being not as many as i can find to listen to me this one person you know they've got the full story my sponsor hopefully has a full story but that's just where the best guidance is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Awesome. I mean, that's, that's basically it, you know, like we've proven to ourselves, you know, time and time again, that like we can't do it on our own. So, you know, it, you're going to, you know, in order to have any kind of solution, it's got to come from something bigger than us. And if you're an addict or alcoholic and you're still having people problems, you might want to take a look at that. And, you know, one of the things that my sponsor, I'd be telling her this stuff and she's basically like, just stop doing that. Just stop doing that. <laughs> but, um, you know, I go to my drug meetings for the primary purpose of my drug addiction, right. And getting well and staying well there. I had to find another meeting where people spoke my language um, for my people problems. I cannot do it in one room. Yes. It's the same God, but they have a different primary purpose. And I Mm -hmm. absolutely needed something separate, um, to help treat this stuff that popped up later in my sobriety. I'm telling if you're continuing to have problems with personal relationships, you're in the wrong room, honey, you need to get a new one. (laughs) Well, thank you guys so much. I love you. And I can't wait for this to be released. It's going to be so good. So thank you so much for asking me. I love you. Love you. Bye guys. Bye. Bye. Love you. This podcast is from the Magdalene house, a recovery community for alcoholic women. We are a nonprofit organization located in Dallas, Texas, and we provide comprehensive recovery services to alcoholic women at absolutely no cost. You can learn more and support our mission at magdalenhouse.org.